Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. There he is. I was looking for my friend. He said he was going to show up tonight, and he is there. So, Mr. Mark Tabata, good friend of mine. Some of, a lot of our people know him. Thank you for coming up. All right. Our day today is noticing the comparison and the contrast between law and edify. And so what we've established this morning was that law sets the boundary and in within that boundary is where we build. And that's the word edify. So law sets the boundary and then we build edify inside the boundary. Now, we talk about edification, we're talking about a word that means build up. The word, the Greek word, literally means build up. Now, it doesn't necessarily help much, but the idea is connected with it, encourage even strengthen, edify. Well, we're about, we, we, we're sort of in a situation where I could apply the concepts that I'm going to talk about for a few minutes. Here's what I mean. It's not even 6.15. Now we set aside an hour to have our worship time. And I could say 45 minutes is my time. Now, I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but I think I know something that does edify, and I would hope on Sunday nights that song leaders will start leading about five more songs. That really builds up. Got plenty of time. We can do some more singing. But this is what I'm talking about, the difference between the boundary and the building inside the boundary. So it means to build up. It's translated almost every time that way. A couple of times, one of them is 1 Corinthians 8. Paul looked at these people. He's talking here about eating meat sacrificed to idols. That's also our discussion in a moment in 1 Corinthians 10. And he said, if you eat that meat, if you offer that to an idol... Will not the one whose faith is weak be emboldened to eat? Meaning, he doesn't think it's right, but you did it. And so he violates his own conscience. He is emboldened. That's this word, edified, encouraged. Same idea. It's also translated in, a, in an interesting way in uh, Acts where Paul was right, or the, the Luke was writing about the church, and he said that the churches were multiplied. Actually, multiplied churches. Well, that's an interpretive use of this. I don't know if it means the churches were strengthened and encouraged, or if it means they were building more churches, more congregations. Either way, the concept is to build up to make better, to strengthen, 
to encourage. That's what edification is. And so what we find is to edify is inside the boundary of law. We have to figure out how to edify and how to build up each other. Now, you probably have noticed this before, but in the idea of people who don't get along in any congregation, in any church, for instance, we'll talk only about Richmond. There are, there are not a number of things that will keep us from getting along with each other that we would call doctrinal matters. There really aren't. I mean, it doesn't mean we all agree on all of these, what we might list as a bunch of doctrinal things. It doesn't mean we all agree. But here is what it does. But we all agree that this is what we're going to do. There's nobody here pushing to change any doctrinal thing that we have been practicing or that we have avoided that is the reputation. This is who we are as a congregation of people. And nobody here is trying to change any of that. But in times when we don't get along, it's not about that. It's not about going over the boundary outside the place from which we're supposed to go. But rather it's about how we handle things inside the boundary. That's what gets us in trouble. We get in trouble because I want to do this and you want to do that. Well, both of them are proper inside the boundary. But then we get crossways because I want this and you want that. That is the most often way that Christians have troubles. Again, not outside the boundary, but inside the boundary. Look at 1 Corinthians 8. I want you to notice this contrast in order to understand the word edify, notice with me the contrast that Paul says in verse 1. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. And so you go to a place where someone is airing up one of those big bounce houses for kids to play on. And it's really cool. And the kids love it. And you jump around on it. And you have fun. But would you want to live in that house? Would you want to live in that house all of the time? Kids probably would. The adults are not going to do it. Now, that's the difference here when he says knowledge puffs up. Why well, don't you see what he means by that? This word puffs up is used in other passages of Scripture to help us understand what it means. 1 Corinthians 4.19, Paul said to the Corinthians, Shortly I will come to you, 
And I will hear not the words of those who are puffed up. Puffed up is about words with no substance. To be puffed up means it looks big and it looks important and it's there, but it's really words with no substance. It's a bunch of air. That's the idea of puffed up also. Not only is it about words, 1 Corinthians 5, it's about indiscriminate inclusion. Chapter 5, 1 Corinthians. Notice what Paul said about that man that was living in a marital type relationship with his stepmother. And notice what Paul said in verse 2. You are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who's done this real is it. And then the third thing is to be puffed up is all about yourself. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 6. Paul said, I want you to learn in us not to be going beyond what is written, not to be puffed up. There's an idea that says what I want is more important and I'm going to indiscriminately eat every single thing there so that before long, I can't even move, and I am puffed up because it's all about me. It's about my words. It's about including everything just to look bigger than we really are. But Paul said, love edifies. Love is not about words only. It's about action. Now if we say I love you, I love you, I love you all day long and never do one thing to show it, that's being puffed up. So Paul said if you want to edify you have to show it. You can't just Talk about it. Well, if puffed up is indiscriminate inclusion, then edifying is discriminate inclusion. We would never bar the door for anybody who wants to come in here and assemble with us. Now, obviously, in the current situation, we're going to watch and monitor when we see certain things. But as far as making a decision just on who that person is and what they have done, and we're not going to keep them from coming in the door. But if they want to be an active part of this group, then they have to be willing, as the rest of us are, 
to submit to this group of shepherds and to submit to every other person who's a part of this congregation. And so that's discriminant inclusion. And number three, if being puffed up is all about self, then edifying is all about someone else. To edify says I'm not looking first at me. I'm looking at you. And so this is the definition when Paul writes here about edifying one another. He is talking about something that is solid and real and obvious and it's based on what God wants and it's all about what's going on inside the boundary of the law of God. Now go to 1 Corinthians 10. Our text for today, dealing with this passage, how Paul is talking to this group of Christians about the edifying process. Let's keep in memory this idea when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, there was no denominational structure in existence. There were only three options. You could be a pagan, you could live as a Jew, or you could be a Christian. That's it. They weren't dealing basically with anything else. That's all it was. And so when Paul is writing to these people, these Christians, when he says these things, he's writing to these Christians about how to get along with each other. He's not writing about Christendom as we would look at it. But we're talking about the local church. Paul's writing to us. Now, the issue that he's dealing with is not an issue that any of us will ever have to deal with probably. But there are applications here that really will fit for us. Let's look at this text. Verse 25. He sets up what's going on. Eat whatever is sold in the marketplace Asking what's going on here. Well, it's obvious in their day there was something happening that related to Christian people being challenged by food offered in sacrifice to an idol. It may be a personal thing that this person in his own pagan religion cooked to his idol, and then he turned around and sold it at the marketplace. It also could be that the pagan temple had leftover meat where they had sacrificed to idols, and now they're selling it to make money for the temple. Very possible. The real question was, what are we going to do? Well, now, we have to realize that God 
had already drawn the boundary. He had already drawn the boundary back in verse 14. Flee from idolatry. There's the boundary. You don't go past that. Don't step over the line and worship an idol. Well, these Christians, well, the law helps us clearly understand don't worship an idol. But law not only defines how far you can't go, but it also defines what is lawful. Anything not worshiping an idol would be okay. And so he says, ask no questions for conscience sake. There's a third word here that we're going to consider. Conscience. Let me suggest it this way. The law defines the boundary past which we dare not go. The boundary law also defines what lawful living includes. But the conscience defines what things, what lawful things I'm going to do or not do. And that's the conscience. So what did Paul say here? I think what's going on is Paul is doing this. You go down to the marketplace, and here's that meat. Now, you know that it is common to sell the meat that has been offered to idols. You know it. And so you might be tempted to say, uh, by the way, did you offer this to an idol? Paul said, you don't have to ask that question. Don't walk into the marketplace and ask that question. You know why? Because immediately your conscience comes into play. And he says, you don't have to challenge your conscience like that. Why? The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. He is saying, Christian, it is lawful for you to eat that meat without even questioning had it been offered to an idol. I have to ask that. That's lawful. That's not crossing the line of worshiping an idol. Keep going. Verse 27. If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for conscience' sake. So your neighbor wants you to come eat dinner. You don't have to ask him, when you cooked this meal, did you offer it to an idol? You don't have to ask that. Don't bring your conscience 
into this discussion that way. But, if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience sake. The earth is the Lord's in its fullness. Your neighbor said, by the way, I want you to know that I offered this to an idol as I was cooking it for you. I think Paul is saying, now don't eat. Because now you are agreeing with his conscience that it was okay for him to do this. And you can simply say, I choose not to be a part of that. Paul was teaching a lesson, I think, about conscience. Conscience, I say. Not your own, but that of the other. For I, why will I be judged by another man's conscience? Paul is saying, in the realm of that which is lawful... You be careful not to harm the conscience of yourself. And you be... Now we start into a different area. You see, that scripture teaches that everything we do in life is worship of God. I don't believe that. I believe worship is a narrow activity. I believe worship is a part of a Christian life. I believe worship is a part of glorifying God. But everything we do glorifies God. Everything. Softball team played Friday night. I found out real fast. I don't need to be there because they won. First one they won. Well, we played softball, but we were not worshiping by playing softball. But I guarantee you in playing softball we could glorify God because we would give a Christian example. We would share fellowship with our brethren with whom we were playing. We would show some good things to the children who were watching and enjoying what it means for Christian people to be together. And that glorified God. So Paul said, everything you do should glorify God. Number two, don't offend anyone. Now notice what he says in verse 32. Not the Jews, not the Greeks, not the church of God. Don't seek your own profit, but the profit of others. The word profit means for everything just a few years ago. We were presented a survey. And in that survey, one of the questions involved building a structure, hiring another person. Now, the split was about 50 50, but that's a little bit unclear because only about 20% of the people took the survey. 
So basically, 10% of the church said we need to build, and 10% said we need to hire somebody. The 80% chose not to talk. Okay? But here's my point. What if the 10% on this side started fighting with the 10% on this side? And fighting to the point that says, you either do it my way, or we're going to go somewhere else. Well, that wouldn't make any sense, would it? It wouldn't make any sense because neither of those things is unlawful. We've not stepped over a boundary, whether we build or hire. And it's not clear that one is absolutely better than the other. Therefore, we don't get into arguments and we don't fall out with each other because we have a view that says this and a view that says this. That's not how it works. It can happen in even more practical ways than that. The person in charge of education, planning the group that plans the classes for all of our age groups, says, and the group gets together. The committee says, we're going to do this. And somebody else kicks and fusses and says, well, those classes are terrible. We shouldn't be doing that. We need to do something different. I don't like this. Well, there's nothing wrong with those classes if those are good classes approved by our shepherds. And the only thing that could make them wrong is if I decide that I'm going to cause a problem within those classes. This is working within the lawful area. I know of a church, I've heard of a church, a friend of mine told me about it. Happened in the state of Alabama. And a number of people came to be a part of that congregation. And they had come to that congregation because of a problem in another. And they came here. But over here, they had spent their lives in a church that did not think it was right to eat inside the church building. Well... Granted, they thought it was unlawful to do so. So they come over here and now they don't want the church to do this because they don't think it's right. Well, the shepherd said, here's what we're going to do for one year. We're going to listen and study and think and talk about fellowship activity." And after a year, we're going to make a decision how we are going to move forward. That, to me, says we want to edify this church. We want to bring together people that disagree, and we want to study and learn and come to a decision. And as he related it to me, because of the way they went about it, a year later, they resumed exactly the way they had been, and basically everybody was on board because they were heard. 
And they knew that these men were leading them from the position of glorifying God first. Not thinking about themselves, but rather looking to build up the church. We don't have problems here doctrinally. Never have in the time I've been here. But there have often been times when individuals have trouble over different things, all of which are lawful. But I want this, and I want this, and you want this, and you want that. There is no law that says here are the details that you have to do it this way every single time. God left that to the local church. And the only law he put in place was to listen to the shepherds. That's it. Outside of that, we need to be people who edify. And what we do and what we practice and how we operate should build up. Every single individual should build up this congregation to be stronger and more encouraged, more enlightened, more understanding. And let us individually decide that I don't need to get my way every time. I don't. I don't need to get my way, and you don't need to get your way. Because we're all looking for the Lord's way. And part of the Lord's way is to give up my way. Think about this, too. I've never heard this from this passage. What about those Christians whose consciences were bothered by those who ate that meat because they didn't see a problem with it. You think Paul was saying anything to them? He was. He called them the weaker brother. And what does God want a weaker brother to do? Grow up. And what do we need to do? Give them time. Work with them. But in the matter of lawful things, let us give freedom. In the matter of things that don't constitute crossing over the boundary that God has set, let us be open to what anybody says to listen to, to consider, to study on. And then let us make a decision to do what edifies this body. And let each one of us individually decide. I'm going to make sure that my attitude builds up rather than tearing down. And when we do that, we'll be a church that edifies each other and glorifies God. I think this discussion can have great benefits about how we live and work together. And I hope you'll keep thinking about that. And let us figure out how we can incorporate that more 
and more. We want to build you up spiritually. And if you need us tonight to pray for you on your spiritual behalf, we're ready to help and to be there. This church is. Our shepherds will meet you as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.